Welcome to Breaking Form, a podcast of poetry and culture. I'm Aaron Smith. And I am James Allen Hall. For those uh, listening for the first time, uh, we do this show in segments. We do literary games. We revisit books that we love. We gossip. We do. We interview. We shade. We laugh. And we are not for everyone. Mm-hmm. Hey everyone, welcome to Saving All My Love for You, our interview with Miguel Murphy, who is the author of, of three books, uh, Shortage from Barrow Street Press 2021, Detainee also from Barrow Street 2016, and a book called Rats, winner of the Blue Lynx Prize for Poetry. Miguel um, teaches and lives in Southern California. Uh, he teaches at Santa Monica College. And I don't think we've been saving all of our love for Miguel. I think we've been giving it away <laughs> for I've all been, the parts. I, I, when I first met Miguel at AWP, I told him how much I, I, I loved his poetry and he blushed and ran away. I've been giving away my love for Miguel Murphy since 2016, at least. And we hope that all of you, if you don't know his work, we hope that you already did. And if you, and if you don't know it or you're learning about it, we hope you run him by his books and support him and his fantastically smart mind. And he has killer style too. He was so radiant in our interview that I wanted to go put powder on. <laughs> like I wanted to put some <laughs> blush and lipstick on. <laughs> I wanted to put powder on him. <laughs> <laughs> he looked he was he's he's just an exquisite human being like yeah. inside and out really excellent so enjoy this um saving all my love for you where we use his love of whitney houston to find out more about his literary loves all right miguel will you play a game with us maybe okay well i think i think when you hear this you might because i know you're a diehard whitney houston fan yeah, i love whitney so James and I, I know if you've listened to the show at all, we love a game and we love pop culture with poetry, et cetera. So what I would like to do is I would like to throw out Whitney Houston's song titles, and then you tell me sort of like the literary equivalent. So like the first right. one, for example, would be like, I will always love you. What's a book author that you will always love, regardless, it'll always be like your like number one. I will always love Arthur you. Hugh the psychos. Okay. <laughs> One more time. It's okay that you sneezed. You can just <laughs> we can start over now. Say one more time. <laughs> Arthur Hugh Cloth, the psychos. Tell us about it. Tell us about that. I don't know that. Do you know yeah. that, James? Oh, of course. You're yeah. the only one. No, no clue. Yeah, no clue. Tell us. There's a fantastic biography of him. I just find him so fascinating and and wonderful and it's the psychos is a kind of a long poem but he he just has these lines that i can never escape and i always want to go back to okay so that's that's for me i mean you know it's 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 obscure but i mean i love that obscure? i'm i don't know maybe we'll link to it i don't think it people. should be i don't think it should be yeah. obscure. no that's great so what is your greatest love of all um yeah, Shakespeare definitely. Okay, so the next one. I mean, say, Shakespeare. Shakespeare could be the answer to every question. From sure, me. sure. So diversify <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> our readers are like, our listeners are like, Shakespeare. Shakespeare. It's like we get it. Shakespeare. So, <laughs> this one's different. No, this one actually couldn't be. 
saving all my love for you. What's something that you're dying to read? You haven't done it yet. You're pretty sure you're going to love it. Saving all my love for you. Okay. Well, so I, I, I love the novel and I tend to like read everything I can by authors that I love. And then I get towards the end of that list and then I get scared that I'm like, not going to have any more by them. And so I always save one. Mm-hmm. So like, um, uh, Cormac McCarthy, um, oh. keep, I save Sutri, even though mm. I know it's like, you got to read Sutri. Gotta, and I'm like, mm. so I just hold on to it. Like, it's just, it's, I always almost want to read it or like okay. Frost by Thomas Bernard. Like I read everything I could by Thomas Bernard, but, but Frost, I have a copy of it and I just, it's the last one. And I'd ra- I would rather read, reread one of the other novels than, than use it up. Then knowing that's it. Yeah. So, all right. The next one is I look to you. So when you're writing, you're thinking like, who do you look to? Like what's a writer or novel or book you look to? <laughs> um, um, I guess I, I look to, who do I look to? I look to Bolaño a lot. Mm-hmm. I look to like, I, I like to reread uh, Monsieur Payne. I've read that so many times and I don't know why, but I keep going back mm-hmm. to that. Do you like Bolaño's poems as well as the novels? I do. Yeah, um, I do. And they're funny because they're, I like some of the, the movement in the ones that are fragmented and the long ones, the long, you know, he, he has a couple different, I think, stylistic modes. And one of them is sort of like, you've got a poem that's maybe half a page long and it's sort of written in all these ellipses on the page. And I kind of like the movement of those. Um, they feel sort of lyric and surprising. And then he's got uh, ones that are just one long, thin stanza. Mm-hmm. You know, they look kind of like Elizabeth Bishop's The Fish, but they go on for like 20 pages or something. Mm-hmm. And that, there's something about those that I find irritating. Uh, it's like it's like reading Neruda. You know, I find Neruda so irritating. Um, <laughs> but I but so there's something irritating to me about them. But then he always has this moment where you're like, wait, wh- wait, what just happened? I don't yeah. understand how he slipped under the wave. And then he's also got, uh, you know, poems. I think that's how they sell it. But they're basically like uh, sequences of prose passages. And I think nobody knows what to do with those. And I find those uh, to be difficult. And uh, when I re- re- when I go to those, it's always I'm I'm always sort of like um, I I you sort of like I I don't know it's like it's like it's like cruising through Netflix or something like you're trying to land on the one that will catch you in the moment. Mm. So so emotional. What's like the literary thing that just makes you so emotional? However you want to define emotional. The literary thing that makes me so yeah, emotional. like a book, you know, either tears you up, enrages you. I mean, every time you think about you, I just want to put on my acid wash blue jeans. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, the thing I think about, of course, is Macbeth and mm-hmm. the the sleepwalking scene. Um, tell us your happy place. I know your happy place, but tell us your happy place in Macbeth. I love my it. favorite version of Macbeth is the BBC version uh, with the Royal Shakespeare Company with uh, Ian McKellen and Judy Dench. And Judy, I just feel like there's there's no other version where you feel like you believe them. So you believe the lines of the play. Um, and not even the lines of the play, but the words that are spoken in the play. I think, I think, the, I think the terrible difficulty of playing Shakespeare is that 
you feel like you've got to like get all the the sentences out in a rush of emotion. And I feel like in that version, they're both so great at just thinking about the word that they're saying. And she has this moment in the sleepwalking scene, um, you know, when she's she's basically just before she kills herself. Um, and she lets out this, it's not in the play at all. Like there's no stage direction. She lets out this, this insane uh, cry. And it starts as a kind of like wail, like she's inching through it. And then suddenly it just crescendos into this. It's like her whole, she spends her whole breath and her whole lungs. And it becomes this wail of like grief and terror and existential um, grappling with just the fact of her own mortality and fate and whatever that might be in time. And, and you're just, I mean, it's so overwhelming that little moment. And I just don't think anybody has come close to, to doing that. I love to watch the new versions of, you know, there's that one coming out by the Cone brother. And I, it's, it, it's funny to, to see those versions and, and hear how other actors have kind of been influenced by their, their sense of lineation and pause. Mm-hmm. And, and really it's like the more you see of it, the more you realize how brilliant the two of them are mm-hmm. in those roles. Okay. So I know him so well, like what's the author that's just like, you know, you love, you just, you just everything. Mm-hmm. It could be a woman too. It's just the Whitney title. I love Mishima. He's also the one that like killed himself publicly. Right gutted himself very publicly and a mess i mean he's such this great 20th century figure because he's he's um caught up in in you know the terrible fact of being queer and and being famous Mm -hmm. um you know and and i really i really struggle with that (laughs) (laughs) you know like he's got a wife and he's got a son and he's living this kind of life that that he needs to um, to be a public figure, but he also is very, very gay. And, um, and that's all sort of bound up in, in his talent as a writer and in his philosophy about being alive. And I, I just am fascinated by this relationship he, he has with um, his younger cohort. We, I mean, I guess you'd say his boyfriend, his lover, like the one he was madly in love with, who he basically asked to be his um, Kaishaku, which is the person who beheads you after you do your ritual seppuku, which is when you cut your guts open, you know, someone's there to cut your head off. And he, he has this kid, <laughs> this younger kid who's his lover to do it. I mean, can you imagine? And so when the, when it happened, you know, they did the, and of course, all this, he proposes to us as a political move because in Japan, there's the, the, they can't have their own military and they can't have their own police force because they're under like American supervision after world war II. And so he's in processes. He wants to bring power back to the emperor and to Japanese ways, which uh, I, you know, there are, there are critics who say, come on, this was totally unrealistic. And it was just part of his, his, the drama of his own persona that he was pursuing. In any case, he, he leads a rebellion and he, the morning that he sends uh, the final draft of his 
final novel to his publisher. He goes to the Capitol and um, you know tries to overthrow it. And since it failed, the the the, the coup failed. He decides to commit seppuku, which he had planned, uh, and it was very extensive planning. Like he he decided what to eat the night before, and they had you know cotton that he shoved up his ass so that it wouldn't he would shit out everywhere when he did it. So he James, knew James is taking notes. Yeah, and. Um, yeah, that's how you do a booty bump. <laughs> and this kid was his his first. The kid was supposed to witness him cutting himself open and then cut his oh head off God. with one of these beautiful mm. samurai swords. And um, so he does it. It's it's you know everybody that writes about it says it was it's this perfect seppuku. Like he digs in. He's very self disciplined. He's he cuts all the way across as, as many inches as he needs to. The guts spill out. He falls forward. And the kid um, fails. Like he 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 slices down once into twice into his shoulder, neither time cutting his head off. And mm-hmm. so a third person steps in and beheads Mishima and then beheads his young lover. Wow. Um, and that person actually had to testify in court afterwards to explain what happened. So I'm fascinated by, you know, obviously I'm fascinated by Mishima because I think he's just such a uh, he's such a uh, a wonderful writer and thinker and and his sense of suicide had obviously a lot of drama to it but it was also a kind of philosophical move as well i mean he's sort of like a demented hamlet you know like carrying Mm -hmm. through on this i mean he was so brilliant and and beautiful i mean there are sentences in those books that you just feel like you you can't get away from um anyway so i i admired him so much as a as a writer and then to know that he was you know i liked the sense that he was gay and and it was something that was impossible for him to to really own up to in a certain way and yet he drags his kid down with him um who is his lover i mean it was this was like someone he was in love with and 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 to me there's something really mysterious about that i don't fully understand Okay, so we love shade on this podcast, and we'll give you a little chance to be shady, and we can always cut it. We can always beep the name. So one of Whitney's songs, it's not right, but it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Something literary, it's not right, but it's okay. It's not right, but it's okay. And feel free to go contemporary. We love it. <laughs> <laughs> feel oh, free. The problem with contemporary is it's not right and it's not okay. Oh, <laughs> love a hot take. We love hey. it. I mean, I just feel like there's so much. Um, I don't know. For me, the performance that that it feels so. Oh God, I'm really putting my foot in it now. Um, I, I feel like keep so walking much of- toward us. Keep walking toward us. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of performative um, sentiment now. I mean, I love sentiment in poetry that feels mm-hmm. earned or that feels mysterious or like or like when I was talking about Frank Bedard's work, that it feels like the poet is wrestling something. I mean, I feel like to me that feels intense and and strenuous and and evidence of like real something that is um, serious and seriously felt. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's so much performance of feeling now, you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. like porn stars. I mean, I feel like mm-hmm. poets are kind of like porn stars. There's a lot of like, everyone's ready to show you how they do it. Mm-hmm. And you just sort of feel like, you know, where's the person that's a little bit nervous or where's the person mm-hmm. that's scared or where's the person that's a little bit in love and doesn't know what to do with it. Um I I miss intimacy in poems. And I don't know. I mean, I think that uh, young famous poets are are 
doing something with their life and they're getting that. But I, I guess I'm, I wonder where those poems are a lot of the time. I mean, and that's not real. What am I really saying? Like, if that's not really being shady, I'm trying to avoid the question. <laughs> or like, uh, who's an, who's an overrated poet for you? Oh, there's so many of them. Mm-hmm. I think that for me, it's interesting to ask that because what we're really talking about is how we're sick of the spin. For example, I think has so much clout somehow. And I'm like, how is that possible? Mm-hmm. How do you write four books in a year? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, and I, and I just sort of think, and I, on the one hand, I'm like, yeah, it's ridiculous. Like, who cares? It's like, is it really that good? No. Um, on the other hand, um, on the other hand, I think uh, good for them. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, and it could it. be what they want it to be. Like, they can right. hold yeah. what they I mean, it's same with. Yeah. The, I mean, you know, I'm throwing shit at Louise Glick for her like new chat book that's mm-hmm. hardback and twenty five dollars. But I'm also mm-hmm. kind of like, you bought it. Fuck yeah, do it, bitch. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. I mean, why not? The answer to the question is Frank Bedard is why not for mm-hmm. me as a right you know, for yeah. me because yeah. I want that strain. I want that wrestle. I keep mm-hmm. saying wrestling. I don't know. I, I just finished the book this morning. So I'm well, thinking. you said he wrestled with the angels, what you thought too. Yeah. Did you yeah. say wrestle? Yeah. 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 He wrestles the angel in it. And, mm-hmm. and, and it's not pretty and it's not pretty. And I yeah. really, that's, that's the answer to why, why does it matter? Because then, mm-hmm. then you get a book like that and you're like, Oh shit, that's mm-hmm. the real thing. Yeah. I don't think it's, I, I'm, on the one thing is maybe it's not fair to like name names and point them out because no, you, sure. you're like, you like, it's not entirely their fault. Like they're young. They're we're, we're, yeah. we're all trying to do something with yeah. the art and I admire yeah. that. And I say, go for it. Yeah. I think it's a shame that people are so ready to sell that mm-hmm. because then that's the reason that you, you have to name them because they're everywhere, mm-hmm. you know, right, 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 right. Book and you're like, why is this only half finished? And it's half finished because there's no good editors out there. Yeah. There's everybody no rushes to, to get the next book out. Cause everyone's going to say it's brilliant anyway. Yeah. So you no, might as I mean, well just there's get no one to there. say, listen, we think it need, we think you need another year. Like, why don't you take this home and why don't you cut some of these poems back? And why is there so much effusive like exposition in all this work? And why why do you feel like you can't put a period there when it's the end of the sentence? It's funny, like there's criticism about novels, right? Be, and and it's not, it doesn't feel as fraught about um as criticism in poetry does. And it feels sometimes like the camps in poetry are just like out to destroy each other, which is why like saying, you know, oh, you know, I didn't feel this book or I thought this book needed a little more editing. People take that as a, but I think it's hard answering these questions because it does feel so charged in poetry Mm -hmm. right now because there are also because it's a commodity. So when you talk badly about someone who's, you know, who's younger and just doing what they're doing. Yeah. Like, like there's nothing wrong with being the next up and coming. I don't know. I don't want to shut down. And I know, I know Miguel, you don't want to shut down aesthetic diversity either. Right. Like we're not after, Oh, like, <laughs> I really don't think that you are. Well, um, I mean, I, I think, think it'd be- project, listen, I don't, I mean, the truth is there's enough, I mean, look at my show. There's enough books out there for anybody. And, yeah. um, I mean, this is why the writer can't care 
about any fucking reader because everyone's mm-hmm. a critic and 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 people don't like things and, and everyone's a writer and sometimes you're not ready for things you know like i have yeah. books on the shelves that took me years and years to kind of like and mm-hmm. i mean i i'm i'm rereading amy clampett right now and i, I read <laughs> was that because you listened to us making fun of her no did you make fun of her oh my gosh yes i told a story yeah <gasps> what's the story well and now i'm worried that it may be amy lowell and not amy clampett because <laughs> i just want you, you to know, know that i ordered an amy clampett book oh my god we're, we're car- starting to look amy- at it we're starting yeah. a renaissance no apparently linda hall was on a on a boat made probably the ferry to provincetown i was told this by the poet betsy Shaw, and like this isn't like super dishy it was funny yeah. i believe it was either amy clampett or amy lowell and i don't I, I don't know how to get a hold of Betsy to ask her. And I feel yeah. silly writing her. We're doing a podcast and we're telling the story about, but basically <laughs> Linda was on the boat and someone said, Oh, look, here's a great Amy Clampett poem. And she took the book. She said, there are no great Amy Clampett poems and threw it overboard. And it was either Amy Clampett or Amy Lowell. And again, if that were me, I would be thrilled if you're telling the story after my death and if you're getting it wrong, I'd be thrilled. But I just love that. It's just over the boat. But that's also when people were like really passionate, you know, like it was like, fuck it. I'm an artist and fuck that, you know, but we, yeah, I mean, we, I love that. I think there, there should be room to say I can't stand. Yeah. Poets. I mean, yeah. you know, like, why not? Bill Logan does it all the time. And I think it's mm-hmm. great. Yeah. But yeah. I, um, I, I had written, I had read her. I don't know, 20. I read archaic figure when it came out and didn't really get it. I, it was kind of like, it didn't, I didn't understand it or I didn't mm-hmm. really know how to read it yet. Mm-hmm. And it's uh-huh. funny that in some, something this spring, I was just like, I need to, I want to go back and reread Amy Clampett. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what it was that, that I, why I just came across her name and I thought I'm going to buy all her books and reread them. And well, I when just, I made fun of her too, it was in a game we were doing, but it was more like, it wasn't necessarily shady. It was like, you're more intellect with no heart. And I think that's sort of the answer where it was like, Oh, I just kind of responded uh-huh. to her differently. Like all intellect and no heart. It's interesting. Isn't it? Like I, 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 I feel like part of that is, I mean, to what extent is it a failure on our part as readers? Uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, because I, because reading her now, I'm really overwhelmed by how much I admire her. And I, and I do think that there are poems where you feel like, you know, what is all this? Like it's, but it's a, it's a mind at work. Mm-hmm. And that's really what I, mm-hmm. I love about her. And, and when, and when you do realize where the heart is, I, I think it's, it's hard not to be in love with her, with her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I find her so, I find her line so muscular and lush mm-hmm. and, and there's also like a, a hint of mystery to them. Like mm-hmm. I'm not really even sure what she's getting at half the time. Mm-hmm. And yet I'm so captivated by her use of a sentence and her sense of enjambment. And, 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 and I do actually, I'm surprised that I, that I find uh, some kinship with the way that she thinks about mm-hmm. history. Like she has a series of poems to George Eliot that I just think are so stupendous. Mm-hmm. Somebody actually sold ownership of their asshole online. So someone else technically owns their asshole. Oh my God. Was it? I was trying to think of that poet. Who's the poet? Like my vocabulary had a sex life. Vocabulary has a first name. It's (laughs) It's like that song. My poetry has a sex name. (laughs) I think it's called. Yeah, I I was I you it was a finalist for the Lammy the same year I was. So does somebody own that person's asshole? Is that what you're going to say to me? No, but people are selling their fucking virginity. 
Yeah, I, I know I did. I made that up. No one owns anyone asshole. So I made oh. that up. It's funny. I thought you would be your worst nightmare or your biggest turn on. I think right. Mm-hmm. Um all right. So we saved all of our love for the fact check. And really there's not much to say except um uh Miguel Murphy gets the details of Mishima's insurrection and death correct. Uh, I do want to say that his purported lover, Masakatsu Rita, was 22 when he met Mishima, and he was 25 years old at the time of their insurrection and death. And that is all I have to say about saving all my love for you. That was a great episode. Hey everyone, if you like today's breaking form, please go to the Apple Store and review us with five stars. Uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Breaking Form Pod, and be sure to check the show notes for references. And remember, we're not for everyone. All right, so stop. <laughs>